What's up? It's Yoni again with the True Sports PT Podcast. wanted to give you an intro to my conversation with Nick Moore. This is the second conversation that we recorded. Uh, we're really going to dig into what he does for a living as a current long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens. What I want you to think about while you're listening to this conversation is the way that I'm able to get to the bottom of exactly what he does for a living. It's so unique, uh, the demands and, and the needs physically for him to achieve his goals of delivering the perfect snap. And that's what I went through when I first met him. And that's what I do when I first meet athletes of really any level. I want to understand what it is that they need to accomplish, what they've tried thus far to get them to accomplish that goal, and what they think that I can provide before I just launch into my interventions. And and you'll pick up on some of that during this conversation. Uh, We talk very specifically about how he delivers the perfect snap, uh, and then we talk about some of the ways in which our efforts at True Sports help him to do as such. So without further ado, we'd love for you to enjoy this conversation. Again, we're always open to your feedback. Please reach out. Please share the podcast. You can reach us on pod at truesportspt.com with an email. Follow us on all of our social outlets at True Sports PT. We're pretty easy to find that way. Uh, and just share and give us a review. True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Thrilled to have Nick Moore join us. Nick Moore is the long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Longtime friend, for sure. Yes. um, Of the practice. Yes. And super excited to hear the Nick Moore origin story. Tell us all about you. Introduce yourself (coughs) to sports physical therapists across the world. Uh, So my name is Nick Moore, as Yoni said. Um, I'm going into my third year with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I am 29, about to be 30, so getting up there in age. Uh, graduated high school back in 2011. Um, got drafted to the Boston Red Sox in the 30th round in 2011. Um, it's been about four and a half years or so with them um, and got cut in my fourth spring training uh, right at the end. And by that time, I was pretty much done with baseball. I was kind of burnt out, so I went a different route, went back to college, walked on at the University of Georgia, walked on to football as a linebacker, and uh, did that for about two weeks and moved to fullback, and uh, played fullback for about two and a half years, and then uh, 2017, I moved to part-time, basically part-time, fullback, part-time long snapper, Um, played a couple games uh, at long snapper in 2017, and then 2018, my senior year. I moved to full-time long snapper and uh, played out the whole year. My senior year, played all 14 games, um, did the Reese Senior Bowl in uh, January of 2019, and then entered the draft in 2019 and uh, eventually went on as undrafted free agent to the New Orleans Saints. Um, got cut in uh, the f- after the second preseason game in 2019, back when they put, we had four games. Um, so played two games there, got cut, um, dabbled around, did some workouts and stuff like that after uh, after I got cut. And then um, that three or four weeks into the regular season 2019, I was kind of like, there's no way I'm going to get picked up at this point. Haven't played yet, so got a desk job. I worked as a financial accountant uh, for this company outside of Atlanta and then uh, signed to the XFL in uh, December of 2019. Played that all the way through until COVID happened in March of 2020 when uh, 
everything kind of shut down. So the XFL um, kind of suspended its season. And then two weeks after that, I signed to the Baltimore Ravens. March of 2020, and I've been here ever since. Um, yeah. I guess uh, let me just get a little bit more specific with what you do for a living with snapping. Okay, how many revolutions does the ball take? Three on field goal. On field goal, Punt, I, don't, I don't keep track. Uh, I would say closer to eight or nine. Okay, and the um, when you when that ball hits the holder's hands, yeah. Um, the idea is the laces are facing the uprights straight towards wherever the middle of the up or essentially straight forward. We would call that 12 o'clock. And the idea is for me to throw it and me to see the laces when he catches it. How do you control how many rotations it takes or for that um, timing to be synced up? That comes in with replication of just doing my tech, my form, kind of my snap form, but finding <clears throat> the right distance. I need to be away from the holder's hands or the spot we would call it and how hard I need to throw it. So once I figure out, like, let's say, like the biggest thing for me when I first got here, I struggled with that my first year. And one of the things Morgan and I worked on a lot was like, all right, let's get to a point where you're snapping the same every time. It doesn't matter if you're snapping 6 o'clock every time, which is the exact opposite of what we want, straight backwards. It doesn't matter if you're doing that every time, but let's get to where we can snap 10 balls in a row and they're all in the same spot. And then once we do that, we've figured out that we've kind of, ma I don't want to say mastery, but we have, we have generated a very similar form, replicated the form every single time over and over again. So that's the hardest thing as a snapper, I think, is, is getting that to where you're doing the same exact movements every single time you snap the ball. And it's, it's like anything with the human body. It's very, very hard to replicate. And it's pitching. It's, yeah, pitch it's just like pitching. Right? I mean, it's the exact same thing in hitting, too. Getting that motion down precisely right every single time is very, very difficult to do. And that's where your body being sore, you know, you tweak a, your back's hurting, your, your shoulder hurts, you know, your neck is sore. All those stuff come into play, and it makes it even harder to replicate that ability to, to do that motion precisely every time. But once you get that down and you have a very, very good understanding of how your body works and what kind of snap you throw – then all you got to figure out is how far the ball needs to travel to hit that three rotations. That's all. That's it. How okay? How do you how do you track velocity of the ball? Yeah, I mean we do keep track of that, but at this stage in the game, for anybody anybody who's at this level, velocity is kind of. I it's mean, there. you have it. You have to have it in it's order a to be to here. Entry. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like pitching in in the big leagues. You can't come out of the bullpen if you don't throw hundred. <laughs> so yeah, you know you. That's kind of a. It's just kind of a thing that's it's just a requirement. It, we don't even really talk about. It. I mean, we keep track of like hand speed and exit velocity for the ball, but it's not something I'm looking at like, oh man, unless it's like significantly slower. And that I will I will usually know that before I get the data that says, hey, your hands you were a mile and a half slower. I'll be like, man, I felt sluggish today. Like my snap felt long. You like feel it. yeah, you just kind of know. And doing something over and over and over again, you just have a really good feel for, hey, I had a good day today or I had a bad day, regardless of the result. You know, a lot of people get result oriented, and especially in baseball, it's easy to get result oriented. And you're like, man, I'm doing good. I'm you know. I went three for three yesterday when really your swing stinks and you just got a couple good pitches and you, you know, you got lucky really. And so how would you describe yourself if you're not results oriented? I'm, I'm focused on the process you're and process I, yeah, oriented. process guy. And you have to be, you have to be because and the results will come at this stage of the game. Yeah. The results are the, the only thing that matter, but 
there's no way you're going to get the result you want every time. I mean, you run out there Sunday night football against the Bengals. You're down 17 to 16. You got three seconds left on the clock. Coach let the clock dwindle down 35 seconds for you guys to make a field goal to win the game because he's like, yo, we're going to make this kick. You're not making that if you're only worried about having good results. If you don't trust the process, there's no way. It's just there's too many outside factors that you can't replicate in practice. You can't replicate the fans. You can't replicate the the noise in the stadium. You can't replicate six straight home losses. You can't replicate, you know, Sunday night football in 50-degree weather with a 10-mile-an-hour crosswind. You can't replicate any of that stuff in practice. And the defense lining up across from you and every, you know, couple million people watching you on TV. That stuff, if you're focused on just a result, you're going to crumble in that situation. You just are. And I felt it from experience. I've done it. In in New Orleans, that's kind of how I was. I I I played. I did awesome in practice, and I got to the game, and I just kind of crapped down my leg a little bit. <laughs> and you get into these moments in in football. If if we learn nothing from playoffs last year, is that field goal is extremely important. I mean, seventy five percent of the games in the NFL are coming down to a field goal. They're within a touchdown, and so. You know, you're going to go in, especially for us. I mean, dude, my first game-winning field goal snap was the NFL record 66-yarder in Detroit last year. I didn't, even, I couldn't even see straight. I didn't even know what was going on. So what would you do? I literally ju- – I said that we, ha- we have this saying. We say babies and memories when we're going for a game-winner. And that's kind of a, a reset for my mind. It kind of takes – Babies and memories. Yeah, so we do it in practice. So even in practice when we're like, all right, this is a game-winning field goal kick, and I will say it to myself. And I'll like I it's the same time every time. So I, I break the huddle, like we get lined up, I look back at Justin, he takes he starts taking his steps over, I turn around, reach for the ball. As soon as I grab the ball, I look at the right guard and I'm like babies and memories, just not even talking to him. I'm just saying it to, for me. And it just resets my mind, it clears all the every thought my mind could possibly have at that moment. It just clears it all. And the only thing I think about is just throw throw the ball. Like you can't think about, you know, where my leg feet need to be, what my hips need to feel like, you know, where the ball is and all that stuff. Because you do that and you're gonna, there's no way you're going to be successful. At least you might do it one or two times, but you're not going to consistently be successful in, over the long term of a career in my position. And I think I learned that in baseball. Like I was so like, God, man. I went one for four. Or I go over four with four Ks. It's like everything was like because it's it's instant gratification in football or baseball. Sorry, you get the statistics right away. You strike out, boom. You know, you're like I'm over one today, and so and then you're then you're pressing. You're like I got to get a hit. You strike out again. You're like oh, I'm over two. I got I got to put the ball in play at this point. And so I that's what I struggled with a lot in baseball was like that mental side of the game that I think a lot of athletes, especially younger athletes, they don't deal with adversity a lot in a lot, especially these big time athletes, football and baseball. You never struggle in high school. You know, you never you never really if you're an elite level football player, you don't struggle in college either. Unless you have an injury, you're not struggling in college. Um, So you get to the NFL. Well, everybody's the same way. The guys that played for 20 years like Tom Brady are the guys that mentally are that can handle it, that they're there and they're, they're competitors and they're like, shoot, this guy's really, really good. I'm going to figure out a way to be really, really good too. And I think those like that comes with work ethic. I think work ethic and process. Yeah. Like you have to trust for me, the times I feel like I don't trust myself, like I get the most anxious in the games is when I know I didn't prepare 
exactly and like i like man i i I didn't snap enough balls this week or man i didn't do enough right before this game or i didn't get my body work in this week you know those things start creeping in my mind it's like if i just get that's why this routine is so meticulous it's like you do all this stuff and your brain doesn't even think you just get to the game you just do it you just your body just knows what to do and you just do it and i think comes with experience obviously it's easy to be like yeah but you know. but ingraining and greasing the wheels of that movement pattern all the time every it, day every day so that you could do it without thinking about it yeah. you know when those bright lights come on what's up guys it's yoni from true sports physical therapy we are always looking for awesome sports pts our practice is super unique we are in network with insurance but we spend one-on-one time for 45 minutes every single session with our athletes. We are housed in state-of-the-art facilities. High ceilings, big open turf spaces, racks, barbells, weights. It is a performance facility with the world's best sports physical therapist housed within them. And we want to add to our team and grow our team of awesome sports physical therapists. We offer awesome salaries, great benefits, more importantly, the ideal setup to provide the highest levels of care to the highest levels of athletes. We have awesome continuing education benefits. We have career ladders. We designed this practice to suit both the patient and the athletic patient, as well as the sports PT. So if you're interested in joining an awesome growing company, reach out. You can send us an email at pod at truesportspt.com. You can find us on all social outlets at truesportspt. We would love to hear from you. We want to hear how we can make your career even better. Give me a couple more um, specifics of things that have to happen for a successful snap. We know that you got to be solid through your midsection. Yeah. We know that we want your shoulders elbows to snap through yeah right and i think the biggest thing for me is keeping my hips down especially on punt i feel goal as well but punt more so because i have to transfer my weight to turn to block so essentially as soon as i snap the ball i got about one millisecond to get my head eyes and hands up to block whomever is across from me and usually a defensive end or defensive lineman so which way is 300 pounds and so yeah so the reason why I just made you go through that sequence of what happens physically for you to get through a successful snap is because that's the conversation you and I had when I first met you. Yeah. To understand what your goals are, the movement patterns that mm-hmm. you need, and to learn from you, because like you said, you're the expert, and that's the lesson that I want to get across to the sports PTs that are listening to this, who are going to come across that elite level athlete, is you got to talk to that athlete. Uh, there's, plenty gotta, of, yeah. there's plenty of information you can get on your own of what they should, but it's not going to, you're not going to know Nick Moore until you talk to Nick Moore yeah. and you listen to him, and now, okay, now I can translate it into my world. I know this guy's got to get a little bit deeper in his hips. I know that that means hip flexion. I know that he has to control that hip flexion. I'm going to teach him how to use his hip flexor to control it and stabilize it closer to his core so that his core can stay solid, his hips can stay locked. You can dip more into Mm -hmm. hip flexion, and now you can create that whip with your upper extremities to get, what, three and a half rotations? Just three full solid. Just three three, full, because otherwise it would be It's like three and a... For me, where I hold the ball, it's like three and a quarter. It's like three and a quarter. No, I think that... That goes straight, and I think one of the best things about Mookie Best to me, knowing him on such a personal level, was never once did he ever think he knew the 
the most about anything. He never thought he was the smartest guy about anything. It didn't matter baseball or not. And we knew this guy was like, what? It, it took us about one year to be like, okay, this guy is legit. <laughs> you know, this guy hit 270 our first year together. And I think he hit, he, the reason he hit 270 is because he probably lined out to the center fielder before when he had WTP, warning track power. Before he had home run power, he was lining out to the center fielder all over the place. But I think the biggest, like one of the best things about him is, the guy is so humble and he, he just, he, he's so eager to learn stuff. You know, he talks to, it doesn't matter if like we had Rich Gedman, he was a, uh, Red Sox hall of famer. His son was on our team and, and Matt was a, you know, he was a, a decent baseball player, but it wasn't anything special, but Matt was very, very smart. And he knew a lot about hitting cause his dad was such a, a big time hit. And he was a hitting coach for us. His dad was. And so Matt, like, I remember Mook was hitting like 150 at this time. We were both hitting like 150. Difference was I striking out, striking out every time, and he was hitting line drives. And he's like, you could tell he was so he was so hard on himself all the time. And it was like, it was like May of 2013, and I think I was actually hitting like 155 or 116. He was hitting like 140 or 135, something like that. And I remember we're we're sitting in the dugout, and we're in West Virginia, in Charleston, Charleston, West Virginia, and Mook is talking hitting with Matt. Uh, Gedman and Matt's like, dude, you just you just keep hitting the ball, just keep swinging it. You got to start swinging it earlier in the count, you know. Stop getting. He was a a big two strike hitter at the beginning, and he's like, dude, you just got to keep swinging the bat, swing early, swing often, and get up there. Never hit a home run in his career. First, the very next at bat hits a home run, and I don't think he's ever had a slump since. And that was ten years ago. But I think he just the way he was able to talk to every person in the organization, no matter who you were, even when he was in the big leagues since he's been in the big leagues when I was with him he he always wanted to learn from these other people you know there he'd be like hey Nick you're really good at at like I, when I played first base at the end of my career he's like man you're really good at picking the ball out of the dirt like hey what, what are some things you you do or think about as when, an outfielder he's asking you this yeah well he, at that time he was still a second he was like second base a little bit and he's like he's like man what are some of the things like what are some of the pointers you have for when a ball's coming here and you're going to have to backhand it like what what's your thought process on it you know how do you like what are you thinking how do you get to the ball where do you put your glove and stuff like that and he was always i mean even for me dude i, I was a career 211 hitter i, I wasn't cl- i mean dude it, there's no way i'd have made it to the big leagues i mean the whole organization could have been you know not been there and i still wouldn't have made it so you know you always say you're the most humble guy <laughs> yeah, Mook is Mook is the one the one guy that I'm like, man. I mean, he just he he was he's so eager to learn. It's it's honestly fascinating because a guy of that talent of that caliber player. I mean, that guy's a generational talent. He's he's one of the best players to ever played a game, and you know he just and I think that's part of the reason why he's so good is he always 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 listened to everybody, you know, whether he believed it or not. Who knows. Whether he actually put it into practice, who knows? But you know, when you talk, when you tell somebody something, you're going to pick up on a little bit. You know, some of that stuff you're going to take with you. So I think he, that's one of the reasons that he's so great is that he's able to do that, and that applies to every, you know, all of us. You and know, that, that applies everyone. to all of us, and that's that's an awesome lesson um, to listen, to be humble, to make it about the person in front of you, and to yeah. see how do you how do you gain that that little that little bit of knowledge from every single person that you interact with, whether it be pro athlete, whether it be anybody. high school athlete, whether it be yeah. anybody. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lesson r- really well made. Um, 
I want to thank you for your time. And of course, us dude, I the, love the True Sports Pod. I love talking, man. I got a lot to say. Well, you're good at it. I f- you need your own <laughs> podcast. Have you I thought about that? Oh, I, you know, I was talking to Morgan about that, and he he shut me down. So we'll see. <laughs> so we, we'll, we'll see. What let's happens. see if he'll listen to the sports. If he TV. hears this one and hears how good, eloquent of a speaker I am, which I'm definitely not, but no, I've just I've dealt with a lot of experience, a lot in my life, in, in sports. I've dealt with a lot of adversity, uh, so. It's it's always fun to talk about, and it, it you know the hope is that somebody listens and somebody can apply it to them, and somebody you know it helps somebody yeah get to because it wasn't easy to get here you know I took a very very long road it's still not easy every day is hard you know so but, but you you really like you you really mind the details and it, and it's it's awesome to see and it's been awesome to see your success um, really becoming one of like you and Morgan Cox, the absolute best long snappers in the game. Um, so it's, it's just been great to see that. Thank you for your time. Along those lines, we want to get better at what we're offering on the podcast. So hit us up at pod at truesportspt.com. We want to know about future guests that you want to have on here. We want to know any questions you will have. We have a ton of questions coming in um, just about how to be a better sports PT that we're going to put together um, an Ask Me Anything episode where I'll be just dealing with those questions. So you better be listening. No, I'm in there. I he's listen a, all the time. He's listening. Um, keep listening. Share it. Love it. Appreciate you.